are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, representing for CanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast, the Storm Tracker Podcast, on all platforms. Make sure you subscribe to this YouTube channel, live from Canes County. And also subscribe to the website, canescounty.com, for exclusive information regarding Miami Hurricanes athletics. Joining me today, I've got Larry Bluestein, longtime South Florida rep- reporter for a Blue Monday. How are you doing today, Larry? Doing good. Doing good. You know, uh, kind of like when you face the reality of what things are, you just kind of you look to a brighter future, and that's all you could do. Uh, after last two weeks ago, <clears throat> I wasn't. I wasn't as optimistic. I was uh, extremely uh, down because of decision making. And but uh, I think that uh, when you face reality, this program, I mean, you you faced uh, a top four program at their place and uh, you finished within a touchdown and uh, had your chances. And uh, but um, I feel a lot better. I, I, you know, I mean, I just I know the direction that they're headed. I know the fan base sometimes can't understand, and I believe me, I I, I sympathize with them uh, because if you've been a Miami fan since the '80s, '90s, uh, you know you know a lot about what's going on, and uh, certainly this is a rebuild, and it's going to take time, and uh, you know I know it's tough, and you got to go you know to every game or watch it on TV, and. Uh, kind of getting a little bit of agony, but uh, here's the thing. You're going to a bowl. You won't have to sit home, you know, during the holidays and watch schools like Eastern Michigan and New Mexico state go while you sit home. So they'll go to a bowl, whether it be seven and five, eight and four, whatever it is, they're going and, you know, they'll get a good opponent, you know, wherever they go. I saw one of them was the mayonnaise bowl in North Carolina uh, where they would play, you know, a, a team from the SEC, like a Kentucky-type team, which, you know, whatever it is, it is, because you're going to get those extra days. You're going to have recruits get an opportunity to see in the postseason. So um, everything works its way out, Marcus. Yeah, I, there's certainly more victories out there. I don't. I know maybe Hurricanes fans don't like to, to hear that, right? Uh, but – I think this was a loss that that you can, I, I guess, somewhat be proud of I, I, as far as the circumstances, you know, uh, throwing a true freshman out there in a hostile environment in the biggest rivalry for the school and for him to perform at the level that he did where he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't put his team in harm's way. He you know, didn't make the many mistakes that we've seen from TVD in these past few games. It, it, it gave you a sense of, okay, well, this team is just a little bit away. You know, they're, they're very close to becoming elite. I mean, if you look at it this way, Blue, if, if Jordan Travis was the quarterback of Miami all season, this team would be undefeated. Yeah, this, this Miami team would be undefeated if Jordan Travis was the quarterback because you're that type of quarterback away from being elite, from being considered in the college football playoff because yeah. 
to me, that was the difference in this game. You had, you know, a quarterback who, you know, just, you know, and he had an average game, you know, as for his standards against Miami. But my point is, is that Miami's not that far away from being elite. It, that's the, kind of the main takeaway that I gathered, you know, from this game is that, you know, Miami had average quarterback play at best in this game. Um, let's just be honest. Emory Williams, he threw for a horrible percentage. It was 35%, you know, completion percentage, which is pretty bad. And a lot of the throws were just not accurate. It's not like they were terrible throws. He had some bad throws towards the end that probably should have been interceptions. But for the most part, he found the right guy. It just wasn't accurate enough. So you get an accurate quarterback um, or maybe develop the guys that you have on the roster. And this team is a contender in college football. Yeah. Well, think about this, too. You go in, into a hostile environment against a team that's rated number four, start a freshman quarterback, a freshman tackle, a freshman running back, and a backup cornerback uh, against one of the best teams in the country and still come within seven points. And I think yeah. that's what you have to build on. And I think the recruits look at that, and I know they do because I talk to them, and are optimistic because, as you said, you're that close. You're that close from being one of those teams. You've shown it throughout the year. Uh, Miami suffers, obviously, with a depth problem. Uh, but that's what they're building for for the future. Their class of 2024 is really good. They're stockpiling a couple of kids for 2025 because I think these kids – and, I, you know, wherever I go and any show that I might be on or podcast – they always ask me, oh, how do you think this Florida State-Miami game is going to be, uh, you know, as far as recruits? Well, I figured this, and Duke Johnson once said this, if one game is going to dictate where you end up, you probably don't belong at the school. And I agree, because you pick, remember this, when you pick a school, it's not just for the four years, but it's pretty much for a lifetime because you're going to have brothers and you're going to have people who are alumni that are all over the place that when you mention, Hey, you know, I graduated from the university of Miami doors will open for you. So yeah, it's, it's a choice that you're making for a long run and not just for one or two games. And I kind of agree with Duke said, you know, I mean, if you, if you're making the decision based on one or two games then maybe the school isn't for you. And that's the one thing when Coach Cristobal or whoever, when they're on campus and the kids get a chance to see, they don't preach to them about one game. They don't preach to, oh, yeah, well, we get to play Clemson and Florida State. The deal is they have an opportunity in the offseason where you could see what happened just working the portal this last year where it got them. So imagine another year of portal and another year of this incoming class. And I think you're – I think you're looking at a, a program and I don't want to get too far. And that's, that's the thing. Cause you and I or whoever will make, you know, a statement like that. And then people will take it as gospel. And if they don't right. achieve, they, they blame it on, Oh, Mario Cristobal should go. Well, where's right. he going? Who are you bringing in? You've right. got perhaps the best guy that they've ever had as a far as a fit for the program He's an alumnus. He has two great degrees. He grew up here. He bleeds yeah. green and orange. Um, yeah. You know, he's a great, he's great recruiter. He's surrounded himself with people. So to me, 
unlike a Texas A&M, where you really didn't have the fit. You jumped the gun and, and you know, and then you took a guy with a name who really was an average uh, head coach at best when he was at FSU. He had a couple of good years, but, but that's what I'm saying. I think Miami invested in Mario Cristobal for way into the long run. So all of your harsh feelings of him winning six, seven, eight games, you got to put those off to the side because they're never going to hold weight. This administration, the president, the athletic director, one billion percent about him and what he's doing for the future and not just one year. Absolutely. Let's talk about Cristobal's move before the game, which, of course, made headlines. The fact that he benched Tyler Van Dyke for Emery Williams. Now, this is something that, you know, I I am guilty of of screaming that they should have done. And I was a little bit surprised, Blue, that they actually did it. Uh, But based on what happened and, 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 of course, TVD's play, before, do you feel it was the right move for Miami? Well, you and I sat at the last home game. And at halftime, I said to you, I said, Marcus, this is embarrassing. You got a quarterback out there that doesn't seem like he wants to be there. He has no leadership qualities. He's got no energy. So to me, that move was a great move. You know, because you're going to lose with a a junior who has no confidence in himself and is slowly losing the offense because he wasn't making plays. He wasn't hitting open receivers. He wasn't making the right throws over a guy who is young, who could be the future of your team. So to me, you lose with a guy that you're building with rather than a guy who's not giving you much with all of his experience. So, no, I was, you know, I had heard earlier in the week that both were getting reps, you know, I mean, and, and, and then I said, well, you know what, he probably will go into the game with DVD. And if he doesn't do anything, he'll yank his ass real quick. Yeah. And make the move, you know, because who's going to, here's my thing. If he made the move and people start, you know, oh, why did he, well, you know why he made the move because there was no productivity from the quarterback position. So, I think they Miami and, and Cristobal was in a win-win situation as far as whatever quarterback he picked because he was going to go with somebody that he had uh, a feeling that had gave them the best chance to win. And for basically all four quarters, Miami was right there, 10-10, 17-7. You know, I mean, to me, and, you're, and you don't lose sight of the fact that you are facing – one of the best teams in the country and yeah. on their turf. So for Miami to go into Tallahassee doing what they did uh, with those young kids. And I don't think people realize that a freshman quarterback, a freshman running back and a freshman offensive tackle. Come on. That's, <laughs> that's a lot to ask. Defensive end as well. <laughs> right. Right. So that, you know, to me, Miami grows from this. They come home, they play Louisville. You know, I mean, Louisville's a very good team. So it's not that you're just going to all of a sudden snap your finger. Oh, well, we're home now. We're going to win. You know, and and the same thing with Boston College. Listen, they beat Georgia Tech earlier in the year. They held Florida State in the same manner as Miami did. So you got two tough games left. I just say, you know, keep your development going. 
And, uh, you know, whatever happens, just hit hit the offseason with a positive attitude. Win, lose, or draw. And I think your fan base will be really optimistic about who's coming in early, what the spring is going to look like. And um, I think I think you're progressing. You're definitely progressing as a team. Uh, last year, you relied on too many guys that wouldn't be here in the future. And, yeah. uh, but that's not the same this year. I think uh, a major, a major portion of this roster stays intact. Yeah, I, I agree. And these next two games are really going to tell you just how much Cristobal has a hold of this locker room and how solidified is this culture that he is, you know, establishing at Miami because, you know, after a game like that, if they, even though they, they played well, well enough to put themselves in in a position to win the game in the final minute of the game, it's still a loss and it's still a loss against your rival. And, you know, you, you look at that game at the beginning of the year and, you know, if they if Miami could win one game, you know, they would want to win that one against Florida sure. State, uh, you know, regardless of what their record was. So now they go into these two games here against Louisville and Boston College. And I think, Blue, that these two games are going to be just as tough because you didn't have oh, yeah. to really get up emotionally, emotionally for Florida State because it's Florida State. You're automatically going to be uh, emotionally high for this game. Adrenaline is going to be pumping. Now you come back home. You've already made a bowl game. You're, you're, you don't have a shot at the AC championship game. So it's going to be extremely tough, especially with Louisville fighting for uh, yeah. you know, playoff, playoff yeah. contention themselves. They, uh, you know, are looking to their imposition right now to go into the ACC championship game, but they still need to win this one uh, because North Carolina's right on their tail. So now they go into a game where, of course, Emory Williams got hurt in that final drive and is out, you know, for the season um, because, you know, now he, he's having surgery on his arm. You know, my heart goes out to the kid, you know, put his body out on the line on a critical fourth down play, made the fourth down. But now Cristobal has another decision to make here. You know, does he go back to TVD or does he start Jakari Brown? I think Jakari Brown should get a shot. What about you? What do you think? Well, we gave him a shot last year, came through against Georgia Tech. Obviously, uh, you have to use this as a two-quarterback situation. You know, the experience of Tyler Van Dyke, but thing to me is he tries to do too much. And Miami certainly yeah. can't, you know, can't put, you know, I think what Ja'Curry Brown adds to this, enthusiasm, athleticism, in a will to prove everybody that he belongs to be the quarterback. So if he starts, I think you're going to get the very best uh, out of him. I think that you look back at the, the FSU game and Emory had time. The offensive woman has done a, a crazy uh, good job this year. And I think if you remember last year, whenever Emory got in there, that offensive line really wasn't that good, and the, and the defense was on him. So if he gets that extra step, you know, from whether it be a running situation or a passing situation, I think that he has a better a better chance to win this game against Louisville than Tyler Van Dyke does. And uh, listen, 
Nothing against the guy. He just is not what Miami needs. It's just the way it is. I mean, you know, he he did a great job a couple of years ago. He got hurt. And, uh, you know, he was functional, more than functional. And then all of a sudden things went south. So I would I would definitely start Jacurry the last two games of the season into the bowl game. Uh, you got three games where he could really get a lot of experience, you know, under his belt against teams that are not FSU and that are not Clemson. And, you know, I mean, uh, that's the one thing f- people forget under Emory Williams. They beat Clemson. You know, and Clemson's a pretty good team, you know, still. So, yeah, I would start Ja'Curry Brown, and and I think that whoever would bitch and moan, what are you bitch and moaning for? The other guy doesn't give you any options at all. So why not put somebody in who's who has started before and has played, and I think he adds a different dimension to this offense, uh, which needs it now. Yeah, I, I think he hit it on the head uh, for me at, at the end there, is that he adds a different dimension uh, to this offense. Can you imagine if you have a Jakari Brown and maybe a Brashard Smith and a Mark Fletcher, all all three in the background? I mean, that's right. that's pretty tough to stop if, if, if um, you know, Miami uses that type of zone read power running game with those three athletes in the backfield so and then and then the other part is that you don't burn his red shirt you know <laughs> yeah you, you don't burn his red shirt if you play him for these last three games because you know um you know he is i think he he will be back uh next next season i mean of course you know all of these quarterbacks i guess have a decision quote unquote to make with the transfer portal sure uh now playing a factor here uh, but I think it would be in his best interest to stay, um, you know, another year because he doesn't burn, you know, the the red shirt. And, um, you know, he adds a different dynamic to, to this offense. And, you know, it's something that Louisville won't be won't be ready for. I mean, I'm, I mean, there is some tape on him. Obviously, he did play in, in a few games last last season, made two starts. Uh, but you haven't seen him this season. So I think adding that wrinkle to the offense will kind of throw Louisville a little bit off kilter there. Um, but what do you want to see again with Miami against against Louisville? Um, final home game of the season. So, you know, the seniors, it's it's senior day for, uh, for the Hurricanes. Uh, Miami doesn't have a ton of seniors on this team. A lot of this team, like you mentioned earlier, is coming back. But overall, kind of what blue, what do you want to see from this team against Louisville on Saturday at Hard Rock? Let's see energy. I want them to come out and play as hard as they can. You know, I mean, as we said, here's a Louisville team that is beating Notre Dame, beating some pretty good programs, and they're gonna come in, as you said, amped up. They're, you know, they have five or six kids from, from the state of Florida, a couple of South Florida kids. Uh, that are going to want to come back and show, you know, hey, listen, you know, if they weren't recruited by Miami, they should have been. But I think you block that out and you just go out there and play your game. And hopefully that your offense will make some plays so the defense isn't stretched. And you look at like Wesley Besaint or some of the, or Mauanoa, who, listen, 
Marinola might be one of the best, if not one of the best tackler in the country. So yeah. you you were you were handed a gift. So Miami's defense is really two parts of this game that have really added to the 2023 season are the offensive line. You can't say anything negative about this offensive line. They have come every single week to play. Uh, the addition of Lee, the addition of Cohen, uh, yeah. the maturity of some of the other players that returned from last year have sure. added up uh, to something special. And that's what I think is really good. And then this defense. What can you say bad about a defense that is just – they're thin at a lot of places, but you are you have a true freshman in Bain who has just set the freaking country on its ears. Uh, right. Because of the way he's played seven sacks, uh, always in in every play, uh, the Saint, Mauanoa, the secondary, which has really probably gotten a lot of bad raps early on in the year for some of the, 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 the uh, some of the passes they let up. But things have kind of gotten a lot better. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I I think this defense really should be applauded. Um uh, Coach Gidry has just come in and put his thumbprint on this defense. Uh, aggressive. You could see the plays. You could see the adjustments. This is something that hasn't been in the past. Now, offensively, uh, Coach Dawson's got to kind of prove himself. So, you know, I mean, yeah. his, his play calling is uh, kind of mind-boggling sometimes. And I'll never back off, no matter what any of those coaches say. Miami runs five plays, Marcus. Five plays. What the heck is that? You know, I mean, and I mean, you, I mean, it's mind-boggling. I mean, the, the bubble, the the run, tackle, the tackle. Uh, you know, the up upfield uh, pass. No tight end involvement. Uh, that's. That to me really, because if you look back to his time at Houston or wherever he's been, the tight end has always been vital. Miami's tight ends have been transparently disappearing. And yeah. I think that you don't use all the weapons that you have. And I, you know, I mean, and then it's going to come back to like um, Coach Cristobal saying, well, we're not trying to sabotage and we're not trying to not win. Yeah, but you know what? When you look at the team, they, just from a layman standpoint, forget about not being a coordinator or being a football coach. The average fan is not stupid. You know, they've been around. They're watching teams like Oregon. They're watching teams like Washington and, and explosive offenses that are doing yeah. so many different things. And, yeah, I think that's that's going to be the difference in the Louisville game and the Boston College game. Let's show a little bit more imagination on the offensive side of the ball because we already know the defense is coming to play. There's no two ways about it. The defense is coming to play. Yeah, uh, I, I think the offense is limited to the quarterback play, though. Uh, I think um, I think I think Dawson really didn't fully trust. Tyler Van Dyke and I think he doesn't fully trust Emory Williams yet because he's you know a true freshman who was just playing high school ball last season and I think last year he had a veteran quarterback in Clayton Toon who actually started uh, last week for the Arizona Cardinals right. um, so I think he had you know experience so he can I 
uh, unleash everything in his playbook. So I don't put it all on Dawson. I think he's just playing somewhat conservative given the quarterback play that he has uh, right now. Um, but, you know, with these next couple of games, he he should be able to kind of open things up if, you know, Jakari Brown does indeed start the game. So hopefully we see a little bit more, um, you know, run run option or run pass option uh, with, with Jakari Brown. So I don't put it all on, on Shannon Dawson. I think he's just limited with, with the quarterback play that he has kind of been dealt here. Um, it's disappointing because we thought Tyler Van Dyke was going to take his game to the next level. And yeah, it's been, yeah. and it's been anything but that, but I totally agree with you about the defense. The de- defense has been putting Miami in position to win games all year. And Coach Lance Guidry has just been nothing short of, of outstanding uh, with his play calling, just dialing up blitzes at the right time, um, especially in this game as well against Florida State. I think he was just – he was brilliant in as far as limiting what they could do. Now they did hit some big plays. Obviously, they got some great players yeah. over there at Florida State. But, you know, for, for them to kind of limit – uh, a Keon Coleman to 24 yards receiving um, with a freshman cornerback and Damari Brown covering him most of the time. Sure. Uh, it is really, um, you know, commendable. And this defense, most of it does come back, but you are likely going to lose Cam Kitchens. You're likely going to u- lose James Williams and a Leonard Taylor. And some of the veterans on this defensive line, like a Harrison Hunt and Thomas Gore and a, and a Lichtenstein who, you know, has played so many years, you know, the, so those are some of the pieces that, that you might lose, but you still got plenty of guys coming back that you could develop. The recruiting classes continue to develop. So I think this defense is pretty much kind of here to stay, especially if they, you know, do well in the transfer portal again, as they did last year. So, uh, we'll see what happens on Saturday. Of course, you and I will be there at Hard Rock Stadium to see the final home game of the season. But wanted to talk to you about high school football, Blue, because it's that time of the year where, you know, we we kind of went through the playoff bye week, I guess, so to speak. <laughs> uh, but yeah. now the real matchups kind of start here. Um, what are some of the matchups uh, that are intriguing to you that are kind of involved? Uh, some some Miami uh, targets and maybe some commits uh, going into, you know, the second round of the Florida State playoffs. Well, Booker T Central jumps off the page a little bit. So does Palmetto and Western as far as that's concerned. Obviously, the Chaminade gets underway against avant-garde, so it shouldn't be really a pushback type of game. Um, there's a lot of games, you know, you take a look at, Columbus, which has a a Miami commitment starting a defensive tackle, will get an opportunity to play a South Dade team that's pretty feisty, Uh, you know, a program like that. Um, uh, You know, you take a look at, at, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, you know, with uh, uh, a potential, well, they have for sure uh, a two commits uh, to Miami, but there's a third one that may be coming soon and the kid Nicholas Rodriguez from what I understand and you know Frank uh, Tucker who does a great job for you guys 
you know, has been on top of that, you know, in that situation. Um, I think that you're going to see a couple of other teams that are going to showcase younger kids like Monarch, uh, you know, with the kid Brady and, uh, you know, potential Miami targets down the, down the road. So I think you got a really, excuse me, good second round coming up. Uh, You know, as far as some of the targets are a lot of the other players, as I did a, uh, a look at some of the Miami commitments for next year. They finished their seasons, whether it be in uh, season or not. Um, so I'm excited about Miami's recruiting class. Some of the kids are getting a lot of publicity, but there are a lot of targets that are going to get this second, third, maybe even state championship uh, looks and <clears throat> may, may be right in Miami's wheelhouse. So I'm excited for that as well. Um you know, I mean, Miami, New Orleans has a lot of kids. Uh, maybe Miami could flip one of those uh, those players because certainly they're local teams. Miami's got good ties. Probably the best relations they've had in a long time with the local schools. Yeah. Mario's visible. You know that night that Sean and I played American Heritage. He was there the whole game. Uh, you know, right. uh, he, he and Kevin Beard. So I think this is a uh, – he really immerses himself into, into this whole deal. And he's one of those guys that would love to go out in the spring. You know, the NCAA still has that crazy rule where the, the head coaches can't come out during the spring, you know, to the games and such. But, um, yeah, I, I just think, right, from a recruiting standpoint, you, you have a lot of coaches. And this is something that didn't happen in the last – two administrations is that they buy in to what coach Cristobal is doing. And he's not bigger than the program. Like these other coaches felt like, you know, I'll show up for five minutes and that's it. He, he sells it, you know, and that's why he's such a great recruiter. So I think there's a lot of good things happening over the next couple, you know, week up right into the state championships, uh, you know, second week of December in Tallahassee where I'm sure, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of kids from all those schools that may consider Miami as well. Yeah, what will be interesting to see is if Miami can, you know, put together another top 10 class, add maybe a couple more pieces uh, to this uh, class. You know, you mentioned St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, They've got three guys already committed and O.J. Frederick and and uh, Ryan Mack and Chance Robinson. And, yeah, a lot of talk about maybe Jordan Wilde joining the class as well as a Nick Rodriguez. If they can continue to establish a pipeline from arguably one of the best programs in the entire country uh, from St. Thomas Aquinas as well as others, then, yeah, I do like their chances. And they got uh, the two kids from Chaminade, obviously, that are really good too. I mean, you know. I mean, the Chaminade kids are really good. I think that Zaquan Patterson may be another. He'll be like Cam Kitchens. He's going to be that type of guy. So you replace one of these younger, you know, one of these veteran guys with somebody with that type of potential. We all know what, uh, you know, that they remain steady in trying to get Josiah, trying to uh, uh, get uh, Jeremiah Smith. But obviously that's, 
you know, a lot of people around him, but I, you know, you can't say enough. They recruit really well. They have dudes that can recruit. And that's the thing that they haven't had yeah. in the past. Forget Mario, but you have Kevin Beard, who, who the receivers love. You have Timmy Harris, who obviously the, the running back room has fallen in love with for good reason, because he's a hard worker. Uh, Jason sure. Taylor, who I yeah. think is one of the great deal sealers in college football today because of the fact that while a lot of the kids may not have watched them, their parents had, and they go, Hey, yeah. wait a minute. If you got a chance to play for him, Hey, you know, where yeah. we, you know, what are we talking about? And, and right. his track record of turning kids around, he's got arguably a top five pick in Dallas Turner coming up that he worked with uh, sure. for the year at St. Thomas, Nicholas Benito, uh, who's in yeah. the NFL now. So, and even and look at his son, his son uh, as, a, yeah. as a tight end at uh, LSU. So I think somebody like that has gone a long way. And then Nicholson, Coach Nicholson is another one that's way, way under the radar. He's yeah. a dude, you know. I mean, he knows people, gets along with people. So from a coaching standpoint, and you know Coach Mirabal, he's an energetic guy who knows the offensive line position as well as anybody in the country. So unlike last year when I wasn't as confident about the assistant coaches, they come into the 2024 season uh, with some really, really good teachers, good uh, uh, recruiters, and guys that uh, are generally really good people too. Yeah, absolutely. I think this coaching staff, you know, this is kind of the the time of the year where coaches – Kind of, you know, look around, you know, but I, I you know, with this staff, I, I don't see that. I, I, I feel like this entire staff is going to stay intact, you know, yeah. Um, you know. Yeah, I, I think the the recruiting momentum continues because of that. And of course, of Chris, because of uh, Mario Cristobal, who, of course, excels in recruiting. That's Larry Bluestein, Larry, ladies and gentlemen, kind enough to join me today on a blue Monday. Uh, thank you, Larry, for, for joining me. And hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see you again soon. Of course, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see each other again Saturday at hard rock. Looking forward to it. Absolutely. That's going to wrap it up for the storm tracker podcast. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast on all platforms. Make sure you like subscribe and share as well. And also subscribe to the website, canescounty.com. Use the promo code, Miami 30 for the first 30 days for free, part of the Rivals Network. Until the next episode.